0: The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is the big lead. Oh, huh, Grinella? Snow? Eh, uh, snow. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to snow in the lowlands? Maybe.
1: Maybe a little bit.
0: <laughs> I've, I, no, I've been looking at every uh, the Seattle Times, every yeah. TV station.
1: I think we're trying to will it into... You know, into reality that's,
0: here. It's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, and they always include uh, chance of lowland snow. Yeah, and then I start looking into the chances. It's like zero percent. Is it zero now? Last I no, checked, it was closer no. to like twelve or something. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> okay, twelve. <laughs> I mean, bel- yes. No, it's you like know. it seems like north of Seattle, Snohomish County might get you know a couple maybe inches potentially. I believe it when I say it. Yeah, that's I, what, look, that's what I say too. I'm just, you know, I'm just the messenger, Dory. I understand. And you know? as you know, yeah. nobody would be more thrilled than yeah. I. Me too. Were we to get it, I like snow.
1: I'm, I'm almost, I'm all for it.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to just try to will it as well. There you go. But I'm not counting on it. Okay. All right. Appreciate it, sir. Yeah. Uh, we're coming to you from the Carter Subaru Studio. Welcome. Start of a new week, the dawn of a new era. And we have a very busy afternoon. In fact, coming up, we are going to get you a local angle on a story that uh, I am absolutely amazed that it has been ignored by the other Seattle media. Because this is a blockbuster, and I'm going to give you a little tease for it right now. Let's get right to the big lead. The Big Lead, Dory Monson Show Exclusive. I have lived in this state my entire life, and I have never heard of the town Farmington, Washington. Even though Farmington is about an hour south of Spokane, it's close to the Idaho border, which means it's probably not far from the Palouse. And I had a kid who went to Wazoo, and even with my visits over there, I've never heard of Farmington, Washington. But let me tell you a little story about Farmington, Washington. They have a little tiny bank in Farmington. How tiny? Well, there are 4,800 banks in the United States of America. In terms of size, the Farmington State Bank, out of 4,800 banks, It is ranked 4,774th in size of assets, or at least it was until recently. I'll get to that in just a moment. Farmington State Bank has been in business since 1887. They have only three employees. They have no online banking whatsoever, and they are tiny net worth of just 5.7 million very small for a bank but all of a sudden farmington state bank has just blown up with money pouring into it millions of dollars tens of millions of dollars their net assets went up 600% and the after after having deposits of about $10 million for the last decade or more, all of a sudden, their deposits jumped 600% to $84 million in just the third quarter of this year. So how does this happen? A teeny tiny bank in a teeny tiny town that I've never heard of, and all of a sudden their assets for their three employees goes, from $10 million to $84 million. Well, they had four new accounts in the third quarter of this year. And those four new accounts poured $71 million into tiny Farmington State Bank. So where did those four new accounts come from? And where did the $71 million come from? Well, this will lead to the largest corporate scandal in world history It will also lead to the biggest political money laundering scandal in the history of mankind. Because all of these new deposits at Farmington State Bank came from a subsidiary of Sam Bankman-Fried, whose FTX crypto investment has gone bankrupt now, after a tremendous scam that has built people out of tens of millions of dollars. And hundreds of millions, billions of dollars. Sam Bankman-Fried was said at one time to be worth $20 billion at age 29. And the media loved the kid. Why? Well, because he said that he wanted to pour a billion dollars into the Democratic Party. And he was personally investing what appears to be illegal amounts into democratic politicians in our state the limit for a political donation to any one candidate is two for an individual is two thousand nine hundred dollars but sam bankman freed somehow gave patty murray thirty four thousand dollars more than ten times the legal limit sam bankman freed poured $40 million into the 22 midterms. Oh, but the story gets even more interesting. Sam Bankman-Fried's mother runs a political action committee called Future Forward PAC. His mother, who's a Stanford professor, she, in the last five weeks of the 2020 presidential election, her future forward pack spent a hundred eight million dollars in commercial advertising in the swing states between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It now appears that these hundreds of millions of dollars that the Bankman Freed family has been investing in Democrat politics was stolen from the investors into FTX. It now appears that with the Democratic Party turning a blind eye, because Farmington State Bank, they are subject to banking regulators in our state. But somehow they were able to go from $10 million in assets to $84 million in one quarter, and none of the regulators asked why. Well, we have a state that, of course, is run. And while banking regulators are supposed to be independent, we have a state that is completely run by the Democratic Party. I am going to I'm going to spend a half hour on this from 12:30 to 1 o'clock. Lynn Brewer is uh, as fine an expert as anybody could talk to on this subject. She was one of the Enron whistleblowers that brought down what was up till now, the biggest corporate scandal in world history. But she says this will dwarf. What she was in the midst of at Enron, and she has a lot of interesting, we've been in uh, contact all uh, weekend and this morning, and she has a lot of interesting facts and figures that Lynn is going to bring to this conversation, but you do not want to miss this, because while nobody else in the world seems to be covering this story, I Guarantee you that this is going to blow up and you're going to remember that you heard it here first because this is going to be the biggest corporate scandal and the biggest political money laundering scandal in our, well, not our nation's history, in in the history of mankind. I am convinced of that. Now, the question is, will the Democrats allow this to be investigated properly? Stay tuned. Lynn Brewer from 1230 to 1 o'clock. We're going to go a whole half hour because I want to make sure that you get this story before anybody else. And I can't wait to talk to her about this. All right. More to come. Up next in The Big Lead. The Big Lead. Big Local. We told you a couple of weeks ago there's so many more horrible stories of tragic crimes over the weekend, children being shot in road rage incidents, 61-year-old man stabbed in Pioneer Square yesterday. Knife control! We need tougher knife control regulation around here. Uh, But over the weekend, just another awful, violent weekend. Uh, The weekend before... One of the more no- notable stories was a man who was murdered in the parking garage at South Center. He and his wife were walking out to their car after having dinner at South Center on Friday evening. As they were walking to their car, they discovered a car prowler inside. He opened fire. Uh, he shot and killed the man, and he shot and injured his wife, uh, Mary Solowitz. She is the wife. Her husband is now gone, and she can't believe what happened as she talked to uh, Channel 4. It's at com. This
1: act of violence was completely unnecessary.
0: And she lost her soulmate.
1: Chris and I have been together since high school. We've been married for the last eight years. You know, I've had him here forever.
0: And she explained what happened that led to the shooting and murder of her husband.
1: Yeah, we were just walking and chat, chatting and laughing, and someone off on our left asked us if the car at the end of the road was ours, and we said yes, and they said, I think someone's trying to steal it.
0: And so when they came upon the car prowler and yelled at the guy, he pulled out a gun and opened fire. He fired through their windshield from the inside of the car. He fired through their windshield, uh, hit Mary in the hand, and killed her husband
1: i don't know what the right answer is but something has to change
0: yeah because we're hearing stories like this every single
1: day and honestly it wasn't until after this happened that i went online and started seeing how many other incidents had happened at that mall
0: and she and her friends say that this murder has left a void that'll never be filled nothing can ever bring chris back yeah nothing can bring that smile to this room again I
1: think those are the hardest
0: moments for me is the things I wanted to do with him that I'll never get to. The adventures that we had. This is a problem that is, as we've been telling you, enabled by our politicians, by the fact that they continue to be soft on crime, continue to believe that we should not jail uh, kids who commit the most violent of crimes. There is a little side political angle to this story, but I'm told that there are a lot of people at the King County Sheriff's Office who are very upset because the wife, Mary, uh, she works for the King County Sheriff's Office. She is a records management specialist. And as I told you on Wednesday, Dow Constine sent out a memo, a devastating loss for one of our own. Last week, one of our colleagues in the sheriff's office suffered a tragic loss when she was injured and her husband was killed in a shooting at the South Center Mall. Uh, and then he goes on and on, and he talks about how uh, it's a senseless act of gun violence. There are a lot of people who are upset because Dal Constein chose to, or he insisted, he ordered that the King County Sheriff... Patty Cole Tyndall not send out a memo to the Sheriff's Department employees. Dow wanted himself to send out the memo. And since the Sheriff's Department is no longer independent, because we're the only county in the state where we do not elect the sheriff, the sheriff is appointed by Dow Constantine, and the sheriff's office is now just another county department. It has absolutely no freedom no sovereignty, no agency. Everything must go through Dow Constantine. It is just a political office. And the fact that uh, Patty Cole Tyndall is the King County Sheriff and was one of her employees who lost her husband, and Dow Constantine insisted that Dow gets to send out the memo, Dow gets to talk about gun violence, because Dow believes that this will help him if Jay Inslee doesn't run for a fourth term as governor. But uh, this is what happens when the voters allowed the sheriff's office to become the only one in the state of Washington that is now just another political arm of bureaucratic hacks like Dow Constantine. And when he decides that he has to hijack even a tragedy for his personal political gain, I don't blame all the people within the sheriff's department who have contacted me to tell me how upset they all are by that up next in the big league, the big lead. I sense a Dory rant coming on another act of criminal violence. This time gang violence words that you will never hear any politician use because all they can ever say is gun violence. But as you know, a few weeks ago, there was a murder of a 17-year-old kid at Ingram High School. Uh, two weeks ago, Seattle school kids walked out of class to protest. And now they are claiming victory because the Seattle City Council says... This is from our friends at Cairo 7 News. The Seattle Student Union is celebrating on social media tonight. The Seattle City Council has approved an additional $4 million of funding for mental health resources after the deadly shooting at Ingram High School on November 8th. So the City Council is going to divert $4 million from a budget that is dramatically out of control. They're going to divert it to mental health services at the high school.
1: Students have been demanding action from the city since a 17-year-old was shot and killed at Ingram. Thousands of students marched to City Hall demanding additional funding for mental health
0: counselors, among other changes. And this afternoon, the student union called this additional funding a victory, saying this was only possible because thousands of students walked out of school and demanded elected officials prevent gun violence. City councils... They're demanding that elected officials prevent gun violence. Again, not criminal violence, not gang violence, gun violence. And what this is is an exercise in futility. Do you think that gang kid who shot and murdered the 17-year-old, do you think that if he had gone to a mental health counselor at the high school earlier that day, he wouldn't have shot and murdered the 17-year-old allegedly? Until we start putting gang intervention specialists in the schools, until we start putting criminals in jail, it's not going to solve anything. Mental health counselors in the schools, hate to tell you this, the gang criminals aren't going to avail themselves of the mental health counseling. And to encourage these kids to believe that a $4 million act of futility is actually doing something is wrong. And that is your big lead. We're going to check the news for you here at the bottom of the hour. And then Lynn Brewer for a full half hour next on an amazing scandal that our state is in the midst of now. It's coming up here on the Dory Monson Show. Well, as I told you at the top of the show, I am absolutely shocked that this story of Sam Bankman Freed and his cryptocurrency company FTX has, is not getting more media attention. Because not only is this looking like the biggest corporate bankruptcy in our nation's history, but it could also be the biggest case of political money laundering in the history of mankind uh somebody that we turn to often in stories like this. Uh Lynn Brewer, she's one of the original whistleblowers in the Enron bankruptcy scandal, and she has been looking deep into this story as well. She joins us once again here on the Dory Monson show. Lynn, always great to talk with you.
1: Thanks, Dory. It's good to talk to you.
0: Okay, let's talk about the latest on this story that the Seattle media, for some reason, has been ignoring. So Sam Bankman freed FTX through their Alameda uh, subsidiary. They, there's a bank in eastern Washington. Have you ever heard of the town of Farmington?
1: No. No, I was born and raised in
0: this state, and I had never heard of it. Same. I've I've lived here my entire life. I've never heard of Farmington. There are 4,800 banks in the United States of America. And in terms of assets, this Farmington State Bank ranks 4,774th. It's the 26th smallest bank in the country, only has three employees, it's been in the same building for well over 100 years, and they've had steady assets of about $10 million for years and years and years, no online presence, but now all of a sudden, FTX, Alameda Research, they jumped in, they invested in this bank, and their assets went from $10 million to $71 million. What was your reaction when you heard all of this?
1: Well, you know, having worked at Enron, it sort of has that flavor. But the thing that's amazing to me is the bank claims on its website to have been around since 1887. And Washington State didn't even become a state until 1889. So, um, you know, it seems a little strange, like you're thinking, is it a typo? And the answer is no, it's a state chartered bank. Um, and of course, what um, the investment. I think at the time they were at five million in assets, and um, free uh, invested eleven million, or Alameda Research did,
0: right. and then
1: suddenly the bank was valued at a hundred million dollars. Now ten plus five, five million pre-money and ten million after is fifteen million dollars. Now how do you get to a hundred million dollars unless you're laundering money through the bank? and have placed assets inside the bank.
0: Yeah, the New York Times says in the third quarter of this year, their deposits jumped 600 percent to 84 million dollars and 71 million of that came from just four new accounts so this is obviously connected to to ftx so is this especially with your history of corporate scandals uh, that you've been in the midst of is does this just look like a pure money laundering play
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, it's now called Moon State Bank, or it has a trade name, Moon State State Bank, which of course, anyone who's in crypto, that's what they always say, it's going to go to the moon, right? So it was clear that they bought the cheapest bank they could possibly buy and get approved because it wasn't federal, it was state. They somehow managed to get approval to, in essence, take over the bank and begin to use it. What the intent of moving um, cryptocurrency through it and doing lo- uh, loaning through that entity. I suspect that it, you would have leveraged whatever assets you had and then they would make loans. So it's a um,
0: state-chartered bank, but it is subject to federal in- regulators, correct?
1: Uh, no, it would be regulated by the Department of Financial Institutions, the DFI.
0: DFI, okay.
1: So, Yeah. Is that state or federal? No, that's state. So, like, U.S. Bank is a um, federal charter bank, and so the feds, the FDIC, oversee all of that. Um, In this case, it was a state bank. So it wouldn't even have sort of, yeah, the the FDIC would go in only if the insurance were an issue, which clearly it would have been. But, no, it's regulated by the state.
0: So how in the world could the state of Washington allow an investment like this, allow a... A cryptocurrency company to all of a sudden, uh, you know, by six hundred percent increase the deposits of a bank that has stayed fairly static for decades and decades with only three employees on, you know, in dusty Eastern Washington. How does the state of Washington? How in the world could they turn a blind eye to this?
1: I don't know. I mean, you have to realize that everything happened very quickly, as it did with Enron. It happened very quickly with FTX, and remember. FTX wasn't the investor, it was Alameda Research. So right. even if, you know, I suspect that that's part of the reason that FTX or Alameda went after them as an investment because they were so small, they probably wouldn't even end up on someone's radar screen.
0: This is uh, really amazing, especially given the fact that Sam Bankman Freed, he was on a podcast, he said that it was his goal to plunge about a billion dollars into the next democratic and party and presidential election in 24, he pumped in uh, about 40 million in 22. Uh, and so we have two things at play here. The financial regulations that are usually very stringent and uh, they're able to invest in this, but also the political play of how this money was being laundered apparently, for the Democratic Party.
1: Well, yes. I mean, he made comments, like you said, that he wanted to invest or invest. I, I call it an investment because he's buying these politicians, right? Right, yeah. So even if you go to opensecrets.org, you see that he gave in this last election cycle $34,000, $34,800 to Patty Murray, um, and the limit is 2900 per election cycle. So you know clearly there's an ability to be bought and you know patty murray like a lot of the democrats um, have subjected themselves to now scrutiny
0: well and they're the ones who are always talking about getting uh getting some of these organizations these packs out of politics and now we find out how Deeply, they're embedded. And then the other story that you sent me this morning, Lynn, is that Sam Bankman Freed's mother... Has a political action committee that reportedly spent a hundred eight million dollars in the last five weeks of the twenty twenty presidential election to attack Donald Trump, to support Joe Biden, and uh even left-leaning Center for Responsive Politics criticized this as being a dark money political action committee. So this is Sam Bankman Fried's mother who has this pack. That pumped over a hundred million dollars into the 2020 presidential election in the last month there's undoubtedly that had some influence
1: well and remember her and her husband are both professors at Stanford University and yet somehow managed to buy a $16 million mansion in the Bahamas right next to their son so It does seem, I mean, this is like organized crime. And for anyone who wants to be critical of the Trump family and its organization, they need to look at themselves in the mirror.
0: Well, her uh, Sam Begman-Fried's father, who I believe is a law professor, uh, he yes. advised Elizabeth Warren, who was supposedly the biggest skeptic of cryptocurrency, but he advised Elizabeth Warren on the crypt, many crypto regulations that are now in place. So this is just the, the criminals leading the politicians, it seems.
1: It would certainly seem that way. I, again, How none of this has come on the radar screen um, as a, you know, of regulators, I don't know. When you think about, well, this was a 25-year-old, how is it that he organized, you know, dozens and dozens of institutions to turn a blind eye? He couldn't, he could not have done this. I mean, this, in some ways, while it feels like Enron, it's much worse. This is a criminal enterprise where this young man was being used, certainly, and guided by people like his father and his mother, as well as others. I mean, they're not naive to the law. And how they could have assumed that their son was suddenly investing $70 million in politicians. I mean, you know, you have a child who's close to 25, if she suddenly invested or, um, you know, contributed seventy million dollars to political campaigns. Wouldn't you start asking questions?
0: No, I'd start running for office. That's what <laughs> I would <tell>. say. <laughs> hey, could you could you hold on for just a couple minutes, Lynn? I sure can. Okay, there's a lot more I want to exp- uh, explore with Lynn Brewer, one of the Enron whistleblowers, and just uh, absolute font of information on this story that's being ignored by almost everybody else in the media for reasons I. Can only survive. Quick time out, and then we'll be right back with Lynn Brewer on uh, what's going on in our state with this crypto scandal next here on The Dory Monson Show. We are back. Lynn Brewers with us. A very good friend of our radio show. She has been looking into the story. The New York Times first broke this that a tiny three employee bank in Eastern Washington, Farmington State Bank, that they suddenly were invested in by Sam Bankman-Fried and his FTX crypto and Alameda Research, his subsidiary. Uh, so, So, okay, so we've looked at all the political ramifications. You watched how Enron unfolded. How is this going to unfold? Because my fear, Lynn, that the media just lionize this kid uh, because he said he was going to use his billions to fight global warming and support the Democratic Party. I feel like the media is turning a blind eye because the party they support is the party this kid supported.
1: Well, it sure seems as though even the headlines, right, and, um, Donald Trump buys a Big Mac and it's on the front page of the paper as though, you know, he's done something wrong. In this case, you know, you've got all of this corruption. The thing that's just the most amazing to me is the interconnections of all of these efforts. Like his brother, who I think was 23, had some pack for the future of America, right? How they yeah. were gonna shape America through policy by buying these politicians. Elizabeth Warren is a big, big, big um, consumer um, protection person. And cryptocurrency, now I want to separate cryptocurrency from Bitcoin because it's not the same thing. Cryptocurrency is one of, it's the Wild West, and there's no regulations, there's no truth in advertising, there's nothing. So, in essence, you get all of this money coming in. And this bank, I mean, I want to be really clear, this bank in uh, eastern Washington, the Winklevoss twins are involved in this thing as well. What? Um,
0: I didn't know that part of it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So Holy the Winklevoss twins um, started something called Gemini, and it is an exchange, and they are connected with FTX because a lot of these were interconnected relationships where they would do business with one another. It clearly is money laundering. There's just no other way around it. Yeah, I think what happened is FTX said, "Look, we're going to buy this bank. We're going to open it up so that everyone could again take their cryptocurrency." Um, because Gemini is a New York trust company, and so it is very restricted in what it can do, but if it has access to a bank and the funds and how they would um, run money through these and make loans and all of that, then they could get around the regulation
0: is it possible lynn that this ftx this whole scam certainly the story right now is that this kid and likely it's two stanford prof parents that they somehow concocted this this whole crime is it possible that this could have the genesis of this could have been within the democratic party though and that they colluded with this family to funnel hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars, to to try to alter elections in America and in states across America.
1: Well, certainly, um, if the records in the OpenSecrets.org that that this kid gave thirty four thousand dollars to um, Patty Murray when the limit is twenty nine hundred, and and this is from him, it's not from. The pack necessarily. So, yeah. so there's something that's going on. And here's what I believe with politicians. I think that they hold one hand out and turn a blind eye to all of this. Like, where is it going? You know, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, let there be no doubt that money buys influence and influence buys power. It's a incestuous relationship. Elizabeth Warren should have never taken money from. A cryptocurrency group. I mean, she should have just, she was so against it. If she's willing to do that, then you have to ask is she willing? to allow an election to be altered simply because of the access to money.
0: Well, and there's no question that advertising works or there wouldn't be so much of it. And if they dumped $100 million into the last five weeks of the 2020 presidential election, uh, it would be very easy to surmise that as close as it was that that turned that election, that they, they bought and stole, in my view, a presidential election with all of this
1: well it does it does seem like that especially when you look at you know the comparison of some of these people that gave money to the republicans that were associated with ftx you know a little here a little there what is interesting is that when you look at the the contributions that sam gave um there's about twenty thousand dollars that is Refunded from a group called Win Red, like the Red Republicans. And they gave the money back. I don't know why, um, but it's whether he called and said, oops, that shouldn't have been made and we want it returned, or whether they got caught because they had overgiven. I I have no idea, but it's pretty glaring. So I do think that you're absolutely right. I mean.
0: And Sam Bakeman Fried had a line item on his balance sheet labeled Trump Lose. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, you just got a huge dump of uh, FOIA documents from Sound Transit. How many documents did you get, and what are you looking for?
1: Okay, so I got about 20 gigabytes of data. It's a huge amount of data. It came to my attention that Peter Kiewit had pulled out of Sound Transit's expansion. Now, I don't live in Seattle, so I don't follow the news really. I got wind of something, so I reached out to a friend of mine. He used to be the publisher of the Puget Sound Business Journal, and he was shocked. And of course, the next day, this report comes out critical of Sound Transit. But what had happened is Peter Kiewit had been very clear: um, they build these things all over the world that. The way Sound Transit wanted to do this, that it was not feasible, that from a prudent standpoint, that in essence, Sound Transit, they knew that Sound Transit was going to spend all this money doing this expansion, but that it would not work in the end. And it related to the joints um, and the concrete. And Sound Transit said, in essence, we don't care, do it our way. So I, wow. So what happened is Peter Kiewit pulled out. So now you have a project that doesn't work, hundreds of millions of dollars, and um, Sound Transit knew that it was not going to work. So it's papered all over Amazing. with lawyers from Peter Kiewit saying, this will not work. And when it doesn't work, you don't come after us.
0: Uh, We are going to deep dive into that when we can spend an entire segment or half hour on that soon. But let me know what you find as you start sifting through that that massive file you got, because I can't wait to hear about this.
1: I will definitely do it, Dory.
0: Lynn, you are absolutely the best. I really appreciate your time this afternoon.
1: Okay, take care.
0: Okay, corporate whistleblower Lynn Brewer joining us. Okay, I'd like to hear what you think about what you just heard. 888 973 Cairo to text me. 888 973 5476. Coming up next, the fastest 15, right after we check the news here on The Dory Monson Show.